ain't ever gonna stop, stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here, Here we, we go. Go, 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 go. Again. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate. John. Brandon. And boys, today we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC fight night. A big win for Jack Hermanson over Joe Pfeiffer. We're going to recap it. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 298, which is main evented by Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Tapodia for the Featherweight Championship. Uh, also got Robert Whitaker versus Paulo Costa, Henry Cejudo versus my Rob Dwalashwili, and more. Uh, and then, as always, we'll have all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 170 of the Knee on Belly podcast, or I'm sure, as you've heard, most people calling it the welterweight episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. But that's neither here nor there. Just glad you're listening. So I weigh 170, like exactly right now. So it's always weird to me when I weigh myself and then I go look at the people that fight at 170. Like obviously, you're, ready, you're ready for GSP. Yeah, obviously, obviously, I wouldn't fight at 170. Like that's because everyone cuts weight. But it's just wild to think that there's people that weigh, weigh in at the exact same weight as me and they look like monsters compared to me. Rumble Johnson fought at what you weigh right now. <laughs> Mar Usman, like just people, like it's just looking at people like that. It's like, God, man, just really deflating in you know, a lot of ways. What's funny, me and Jacob actually kind of had a conversation about this not too long ago because I think you would actually be surprised if you actually saw some of these people. Mm-hmm. Like physically, they're big, they're in shape. I don't know that many of them are that big. Well, because like Tony Ferguson, like that's how we got on it. Jacob was like, dude, I would have swore he's like 6'1 and he's like 5'6. Tony Ferguson? Yeah, he's taller like, than five six. No, he's like five six or five eight. I'm five six. Well, that's a big difference, I feel like. Five six, five. So eight. you're ready for Tony. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 75, but it is funny when you think about it, and that's because I told him that that's when I told him that that the Fanny, like next to this guy that we trained with, took a picture next to Curtis Blades. Right. And it's like, yeah, that picture just like lives rent free in my I head. Because about I that. just don't understand how that's possible. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, like six, six, one, six, two in the UFC is like pretty tall. How tall yeah. are you, John? Um, probably like five eleven. Okay. I'm trying to, uh, Tony's listed at five eleven. I would be very shocked if he's actually five eleven, though. I guess we'll never know. We will That's, never know until yeah. we it's get him on the pod. Instance. I don't know if I want that. To be honest with you, <laughs> blades and shades, dude. You gotta leave the blades at the door, though. Boys, we have a lot to get to today. Uh, obviously, recap, and then uh, we're picking for four fights on this main card uh, this week. So, got to get to that. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to talk about in the news as well. UFC 300 stuff, I'm sure. Uh, get a little bit of update on that uh, in the circus that that is kind of becoming. Yeah. Uh, but Every bef- week. Yeah, it's something. it is literally <laughs> something new every single week at this point. Uh, but before we get to that and all of that, rate, sub, follow, John. Let the people know what we need them to do each and every week. Well, every week, man, wherever you guys are listening to us, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you're listening to us, if that offers a chance to give us a review, giving us five stars helps us out a ton. If there's an option for a written review, especially on Apple Podcasts, we read those on here. They help us a lot, push us in the algorithm. On social media, that's uh, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. It's Neon Belly Podcast. We're on X on Neon Belly Pod. Uh, YouTube's just been going crazy. 
So definitely come in and join on that. We're posting our pick clips, all types of other things, so you can kind of get some more quick, to, uh, get quicker to certain topics that you might be interested in. And uh, yeah, just come out and show us some love. Alrighty, boys, let's get to it. UFC Fight Night this past Saturday from the Apex and in our main event, Jack Hermanson defeats Joe Pfeiffer via unanimous decision. Uh, and boys, we are going to have to put some respect on the name of Jack Hermanson today. Uh, because if I only showed you round one and round five of this fight, you would probably be so confused as to how we got there in the <laughs> end. Because Joe Pfeiffer came out in round one and did about exactly, I think, what we all thought he would and mm -hmm. how this fight was probably going to go. Uh, you know, he seemed so close to finishing this fight, even a bit into round two there. Uh, but when it got to round three, this thing just completely swung in favor of Hermanson. And what has to be said, honestly, really, was just a veteran's performance. I think Jack knew he would have to kind of weather that early early storm from Pfeiffer, uh, so he stayed defensively tight, as defensively tight, I guess, mm -hmm. you could say, as he could, because he did take some big shots, um, but he just absorbed some of Pfeiffer's uh, flurries and those early storms, um, but also really invested in that calf kick, which uh, really by round four, that left leg of Pfeiffer's mm -hmm. was toast. Uh, and I thought even in the corner between the championship rounds, Pfeiffer did look just a little defeated in the yeah. corner. Um, and once that explosiveness was gone from Pfeiffer, uh, Hermanson just turned it on and really picked him apart for the remainder of the fight and uh, got a really big win that I feel like Hermanson hasn't had in a while. Yeah, so like the, you said, it, you're like the veteran mentality, I suppose. I think that really just rings true here, right? Like even just specifically into the fifth round where he lands that takedown, that big takedown holds him pretty much the rest of the round. Mm -hmm. um, just displayed a lot and a lot of lessons here, I think, too, for Pfeiffer because there was a lot we didn't know. Like we had a lot. Still like he's kind of new to the scene as far as what's he going to show us more as far as his grappling. We knew the power was there. And Hermanson did really well as far as just having that high guard most of the fight, right? Mm -hmm. It seemed like almost every major shot, there was a few that obviously went through it kind of landed flush on Hermanson but he was just really consistent with keeping that guard up and then just really frustrated Pfeiffer with not able to kind of you know crush him or crumble him like he has a lot of guys and I think that's you know eats at him after once he got to round three you started to see it like you said in between rounds he was just kind of defeated and just I mean great performance by Hermanson to be able to be consistent and not allow the pressure of the moment they, they talked about it too this was his second fight in a row against a non-ranked uh or was it the second in a row yeah we mm -hmm. talked about it last yeah. week too yeah so that's just really impressive the day was the last his last fight and right. he wasn't ranked at the time yeah so again just goes to show what a veteran can do if he's able to be consistent and just stay stick to his guns and just pull out a fantastic performance so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, and I think, you know, Nate, you kind of said it. You've been saying it as we keep on seeing these kind of young guys running to veterans, like experience, we have to start thinking about it. And I think this is another one of those, like, slap on the hands for, like, even us, where it's like, yeah. you know, when we talk about Jack Hermanson, we're talking about a guy who's been through, you know, so much in that division, some of the top guys. And uh, I think maybe we sometimes we can fall in love with what's new and what's in front of us because, man, if you would have told me especially that the veteran adjustment for, you know, Hermanson wasn't getting it to the ground, but 
to, you know, utilize, stay on the calf kick, keeping his hands up to stay away from the big hooks of Pfeiffer late. And then even for me, the most impressive thing was that short Superman punch. He just kept landing over and over. Once he got uh, Pfeiffer thinking about those calf kicks, he'd throw one or two and then he'd fake it and go for that um, Superman punch as kind of like a counter with it. He just really showed up and to eat the power too. You know, like not very many people have done that on this lead up for Pfeiffer and for Hermanson to not only do that, but get him to a point to where in those later rounds, he could kind of get off a little bit more because he knew that Pfeiffer wasn't able to really sit on those punches anymore. Uh, just really shows a lot for what Hermanson has skill-wise and just even at the top of the division, what a Roman Dolidze really is as far as a talent and some of the guys that maybe he struggled against. Yeah, I was, you know, the, the striking performance from, you know, Hermanson was really good. But then again, we've seen him kind of do this, right? You go back to the Chris Curtis fight. And um, so I, I knew Hermanson would somewhat be able to hang on the feet. I think I'm sitting here today a little bit more shocked because I really thought Pfeiffer would be able to find a way to get Jack Hermanson down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that Hermanson takedown defense just he didn't stood care. The t- yeah, I mean, he that held up, man. And really, really surprised by that. And, and I thought Pfeiffer came out with a good game plan. He was landing some leg kicks himself mm-hmm. that I was like, ooh, this is nice. And then, you know, coming upstairs with the hands, you know, off those leg kicks. And But, yeah, I mean, it's like once – that's the veteran, the de- veteran difference because I think once – he started to kind of get behind a little bit. Uh, Hermanson kind of turned Pfeiffer into a brawler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fights like that, like you just – there's a reason brawlers, that type of mentality just doesn't work in the UFC anymore because you just – it got everybody so good now and mm-hmm. so well-rounded. Um, and for Pfeiffer, you know, when that kind of became, you know, he was kind of trying to do this, like, sprawl and brawl style. It's mm-hmm. just like, dude, you can't do that anymore in today's UFC. And, and we'll get to kind of what's next for Pfeiffer a little bit. Um, cause I want to expand on that a little bit, but, uh, for the record, I do want to get to this judges scorecards cause they, you know, some people a little like maybe up in arms. I did score this for Hermanson. Um, I give Pfeiffer rounds one and two and I liked it and the judges scored it this way too. And then I gave Hermanson three, four and five. I did think the third was really close. Um, I remember after that thinking like, man, that round could have went either way. I did give it to Hermanson ever so slightly, but just for the record, did either of you guys take issue with the decision or did you maybe think Pfeiffer it? you know could have edged out that third or no i thought i thought um hermanson had three four and five i mean i thought it was close i didn't think it was that close round three i i i leaned hermanson for three four and five pretty yeah it was that big it was that shot where piper thought he got punched or eye poked yeah but it was a punch that was really Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of in a closer round that really did sway it for me Mm -hmm. i think yeah no i agree i thought that toward the end of the second hermanson started really finding a little bit of of rhythm and spacing and to where he could start setting his stuff up and then round three through five, he just had the gas tank, had the game plan. And I think that um, even when Pfeiffer would have a moment, it wouldn't last for long. And that's, you know, once again, that ve- that veteran savvy that uh, Hermanson brought to the fight. And typically after a fight, you know, we usually talk about what this means um, and what is next for the winner. Uh, but in this case, you know, I'm more thinking what does this mean for Pfeiffer? I think that's kind of the bigger story here um, just because it's a more unique case, right? Um, I will say, though, in the case of Jack, you know, I think he definitely deserves, number one, a ranked opponent next. I yeah. mean, having to go what he's gone through the last two fights, you know, he did split him, did lose it to Lidze, but that was a big win last night. Um, not many ranked above him without fights right now. Imavov would certainly be one that I would look for, and he did call for that fight. Um, 
But, um, you know, maybe if he wanted, you know, like Kapilov, uh, Fluffy fight, you know, he could maybe go that route. But I think if you're Hermanson at this point where he's at in his career, he needs to be looking yeah. up. And I think he's been more than serviceable in these last two bouts and in, in, in taking the fights to begin with. That I think he is owed any Mavov-esque mm-hmm. fight. Um but what about Pfeiffer? Because certainly, you know, the UFC saw something in him, right? We talked about this, and they really tried to give him this push. I mean, they kind of built this whole event around him, which at least shows an investment at the very least mm-hmm. in Joe Pfeiffer. And I think Pfeiffer is definitely going to be okay. I've seen some people, you know, saying he that uh, last night, uh, you know, he just got fraud checked and this and that. That's a bit crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it shows... Uh, it shows he wasn't ready. You know, we can all agree on that, right. to at least fight at this level. But to me, that doesn't make him a fraud. I mean, what we've seen from Pfeiffer, I think, is very, very real. Um, and this experience, to me, will make him better. But I will say at the same time, it is interesting to see Dolize, who was also unranked, pass this Hermanson test. Uh, but then in most his most recent fight against Imavov uh, last week, Dolize looked ways off, even that level, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just inside that top 10. And I know styles and matchups makes fights, but it is going to be interesting to see what they do with Pfeiffer next. Because um, you just gave him a top-ranked guy with a name. Um and I'm curious to see uh, what level of opponent he will get next because I don't think you throw him back in there in the top 15, right? But I think you kind of have to give him a name at the very mm-hmm. least because you just gave him a guy just outside the top 10. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you know, and we'll talk. I guess we can talk about it when we get through the rest of the results, but there's a couple middleweights that lost that wouldn't be bad matchups for him off of this card even uh, when you talk like uh, Brad Tavares or somebody like that who's a name still outside the 15 if you still believe in him that much and you want to give him a chance to kind of jump up quicker. Yeah, I still think he's got a lot. I, like you said, the whole, what was the term, fraud check? Fraud check. I saw that, that so many people saying he just got fraud No, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think, like you said, he just wasn't ready, like the five-round. Hermanson's a tough puzzle to figure yes, out. I mean, yeah. he's not, I think, I think a lot more respect needs to be put on, like you say, Hermanson mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. Um, I still think Pfeiffer has a lot to, to, get, to give. I just think, yeah, he just needs to work his way up a little bit more. I mean, outside of the top 15, I get it. But even if you gave him somebody right on the cusp there, I think that would still make some sense. Because to me, he went out there and completely took rounds one and two. Three was close. Yeah, he faded in four and five. Has he ever fought in rounds four and five that we know of? No. So, I mean, that's a big, big part of that, right? So, to me, it wasn't, if he went out there and got steamrolled, okay, yeah. But, you know, he just, this moment was a little bit more than what he's had in the past. And it's going to take some learning and adjustments to, to get through it. And that's that's all that that is to me. Yeah, I think Tavares is a great shout. You know, he he's a, he's a super tough guy. He's spent a ton of years inside the top 15. Um, he's fought some of the best 180, 185 pounders. Um I think he's a name as well. It would make a lot of sense. I think you could even give him RoboCop who beat Tavares because, yeah. I mean, I know he's coming off a win. Piper's coming off of a loss. But, who again. Who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah, I mean, it would just be a great matchmaking. I think either of those guys would make a ton of sense. But, uh, yeah, I do think – I don't think you give him – because you don't want to completely kill his confidence right mm-hmm. now. Um, but you've also now put him in a position where you kind of have to give him – a name mm-hmm. essentially, you know, or yeah. somebody um, at least recognizable to the fan base to kind of keep that hype. Cause you don't, 
off one loss, you don't want to like bury him completely. Um, so you need to keep people believing and thinking that he's real. So I do. I just think it's going to be really interesting now to see kind of like as a case study what they're going to do now for Pfeiffer. Yeah, and I mean for Hermanson, we're talking about a guy whose losses are obviously Dolize, but Strickland, Vittori, and yeah. Cannonier. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's not. No, he's tough, man. He's super tough, and 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 I think you know you kind of said it like shame on us a little bit for kind of believing i mean not really believing the hype but just uh thinking that he was maybe i don't know it's tough too because that, that first round if a couple extra punches yeah, landed that could go that could have been it i think but, i may have just put a lot into the delete day and then just seeing delete day being kind of miles off of well not miles but being off of it a little bit mm-hmm. from the top 10 i'm like okay Hermanson, they're looking at as a guy that they're probably trying to phase out, maybe just not quite at this level, you know, kind of thing. Um, and then you got Pfeiffer, who, you know, was kind of on the way up. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of my thought with it. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, this this is what these these is why these guys are so dangerous and so tough when you're talking about veterans. And we've got another one here in the co-main event because 50K <laughs> Dan Ige defeats Andre Feely, Vuria, first round knockout. And boys, like Hermanson, 50K ain't ready to come off no top 15 <laughs> spot, son. Uh, slips a jab, right hand over the top, and down goes Touchy Feely. Uh, and boys, Ige gets back in the win column, and he has quietly won three of his last four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, the... I didn't really necessarily know all the the lead up stuff as far as them training together and that being kind of a catalyst to Philly calling for the fight. But you can tell he let out a little bit on that follow up shot uh, after he knocked him down because I just get that follow up and stand over him. Just kind of really, you could tell that Ige felt that um, just like a really big moment for him. Well, they talk about, I think they talked about it on the broadcast too. There's a big difference like when you have a sparring partner and like the way that those punches are thrown mm-hmm. versus four ounce gloves in an actual fight, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I can't imagine what that's like, you know, going up against a teammate like that. But I mean, as far as the fight itself, I mean, just classic Danny Gay, right? Like just the, like you said, slips the right, slips the jab and then lands that overhand and just completely flatlined him. So, I mean, it was a great, great bounce back for him as far as that's concerned. And Ige was set to face uh, number 14-ranked Lerone Murphy in this fight, but Murphy did drop out uh, in January due to injury. Uh, so depending how soon you know he'll be ready, I'd still love to see that matchup mm-hmm. if they can make it happen. Um, but that was so quick and so easy for Ige, and he is a new dad, probably wants to get back in there, make another check. Double dad strength. Yeah, you know, I think maybe him versus like Alex Caceres is something they could look at. You know, two guys who have been around for a while and have faced so so many people in this division, but somehow their paths have never crossed. Um, looking at the rankings, I also think you could run it back, you know, a rematch with Ige and Barbosa. Um, I'm sure Edson would love to try to get that win back. Uh, but I would, for the record, still prefer the Lerone Murphy fight mm-hmm. um, if they can kind of make that timeline work. Um, I do think the other side of this, I, I mean, I just, it sucks because I really like both of these guys and I really feel bad for Andre Feely because. I mean, this was his chance to try to finally... I mean, Feely's been around, you know, I said, you know, veteran, but Feely's been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. maybe longer than Danny Gay in the UFC. I'd have to look. Um, But, man, you kind of feel for Andre Feely there, too, because finally getting a ranked opponent and just, damn, man, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't... I mean, 
you know, with Dan Ige, he's another one kind of like a Hermanson that when you look at the people he's lost to, you know, it's some of the top guys, the Mavsar, there's the Bryce Mitchells, like certain people who are just stylistically bad for him. But if you put him in there against a Josh Emmett, you've seen him win. You've seen him. Anybody who's going to sit there and be in the path of that right hand is going to be, you know, potential to lose. Andre Feely debuted in 2013. Uh, Dan Ige, his official, because he came in off the Contender Series, his official UFC debut was January of 2018. Wow. So, five uh, years. But you know what's funny is like, because I was thinking about this with Feely, is like, I feel like Feely was like, at least that I can remember. I mean, maybe if I thought harder about it, but like in, in last night and thinking about it, Feely was kind of like the very first. Um, Maybe like kind of like Raul Rosas or Michael Morales, like young kid mm-hmm. that came in super young. Uh, he's thirty three years old, um, but at the time, you know, you know, back in 20, 2013, he's twenty three years old. But he just kind of came in this little young kid from Team Alpha Male, uh, ton of hype around Fast him. Fast hands, yeah. You know, remember he always wore the white belt and he drew piano keys on him. <laughs> like he was just kind of like this, like really cool hip young dude, and then. Uh, yeah, I mean, he just, it just never really like worked out for him in the UFC. He's kind of always won one, lost one, won one, lost one, won mm-hmm. one. I mean, he's just never found like true consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really sucks to see, man. Cause I, I feel like even back then going back, it's crazy, but he was kind of like, for me anyways, one of those first, like just young guys that like, it was like, Oh, second fight in the UFC was Max Holloway. Yeah. It, but like, <laughs> it, it's just crazy, man. Like, it's just weird. Cause like I said, it was like, uh, at that point, you still had guys like, you know, Randy Couture at, like, 45. You know, it was like, yeah. here's a 23-year-old kid going in there with, like, 38-year-old men or 35. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Max, obviously. But, yeah, so sucks for Feely there, too, man. Um, we can get to some of these other results on this card. I don't want to spend a ton of time because, as mentioned, we do have a lot to get to. Um Ehor, Ehor Pateria uh, defeats Ryan Burschek. Uh I thought Ehor looked okay at, at middleweight. I mean, mm-hmm. he definitely looks big for the weight class. Uh, he missed weight, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, did he? Did he end pound? up making it? I, I thought it. Pound. I think it might have been like a pound and a half, but yeah. I didn't know if he ended up making it later on. It, it was highlighted on the tail of the tape. So. Okay, so I guess he's got to make middleweight. <laughs> uh, but he did look big. Something I don't know, dude. There's something with Ehor that like. He is a pretty good striker, but he, something about his striking just screams hit me. Like I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> he keeps that hand. He just down, gets like, lit mm-hmm. up, man, all the time. And uh, it was a problem at light heavyweight, you know. And maybe he's going down here to try to <laughs> not have so much firepower behind him. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll see with Ehor Pateria. Well, but. he like he set himself up as kind of like a heel, anyways. After the Shogun win, and people like you know weren't big fans of that. And you get knocked out twice in yeah. a row. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's just kind of crazy, like the way the UFC is like the pro the if you want to know the problem with how the UFC phases out legends the fact that Ehor Pateria will have Shogun Hua on his win record will f- that like that's an issue yeah. like i mean cuz Ehor like all respect to him but uh just not of the caliber of somebody you know like yeah. that that even should have been in there with Shogun regardless of where Shogun's career was. I will shout out Ehor for trying a foot sweep randomly. I think it was in the second yeah, round. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> it was somebody, like a Mortal Kombat. Somebody posted that clip and was like, when I'm trying to figure out the controls on the <laughs> UFC game. He's like yeah. Tony Thur- Ferguson yeah. in the sand. Uh, uh, as mentioned, RoboCop Gregory Rodriguez, big third-round finish over Brad Tavares. Uh, 
RoboCop just came out in that third round. Like, it, again, you see it sometimes from guys where it's like they just make the decision that I'm done fighting this fight. <laughs> and that's like what happened here. Like, he was eating stuff, just like, bow, I feel bow, like bow. he could have done that. That would look so easy for him. I feel like he could have done that at any point in this mm-hmm. fight. And I, I don't know if it was because it was almost like he was almost going out of his way to try to grapple. Like, I don't know, he's maybe getting a little too cute there, wanting to show off some grappling. But, uh, because I thought he was winning the stand-up battles early. I mean, Tavares isn't an easy guy to finish, but... Tavares was... I feel like the part of what I thought was Tavares was having a good uh, success with his jab. Like, you could kind of see him lighten up Rodriguez with his jab, and I thought maybe as a result, that's where he started to kind of initiate the grappling more. But, dude, how fun is RoboCop to watch? Because, like, I just feel like that blend of power and jiu-jitsu is just so fun. It's fun. And they keep wanting to call him a, a... you know, a jujit- just a jujitsu guy or a grappler, but he just goes out there and throws bombs. His striking's yeah. coming along, and it's not. I mean, he obviously throws pr- can throw pretty reckless ones, but he's getting a little more crisp with his stand up. So yes. it's pretty cool to see that evolution. And he's, you know, the dude's six and two, and since he's gotten to the UFC, he wins two, loses one, wins two, loses yeah. one. Uh, if he could put a couple more together, he's a tough matchup for anybody yeah. up there. That's what make would make him and Piper putting them against each other next would be really tough because that means one of them's gonna follow deeper into obscurity yeah. and you know what i mean and it would you would just hate to see either of those guys right now uh have to fall like that that's why i do kind of leave like lean a tavares for piper next um i don't know what chris weidman's appetite is for fighting again but maybe that could be an option for piper as well i think he's supposed to be on the atlantic city card oh yeah maybe he does have a fight i can't remember who it's against but he's so. i'm pretty sure he's the main mm. one of the main people in that michael johnson gets another win over darius flowers by unanimous decision and i was like screaming at my TV at the end of that third round because I'm like, oh my God, Michael Johnson has just dominated another fight and found a way to lose it at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times? <laughs> like, Michael Johnson has been like killing guys in fights and then gets like knocked out, submitted, something like that. And I'm like, this is not happening again. When he mm-hmm. had that last single like, leg. Yeah, I'm like, there's just <laughs> no way he looks this good because he looked good. I thought Michael Johnson looked really good, man. Um, but I'm thinking like, there's no way that he just had put on this performance and is about to lose it again. Like, yeah. I just feel like we see that so much from Michael Johnson. I'd like to see him get a couple in a row. He had, he had a four, he lost four in a row from 2019 to 21, but now he's been kind of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. Can so. I be honest with you? And this is like, I'm not saying this. Like, I think if Michael Johnson wants to keep fighting in the UFC, he a hundred percent should, um, but I do think, given hit for where he is in terms of like age and his career, I mean, the, the guy's only four losses away from being 500 in yeah. his career. Mm. Um, so it's like, you know, do you realistically, Michael Johnson, see yourself getting back in the title picture or even the top 15 rankings? Probably not. Um, but I'm going to tell you what, man, with how fast he still looks and how hard he's, I would really consider a bare knuckle run if I was Michael Johnson. I mean, I think he could go over there win some championships, make some money, get big fights, which I think a guy like him deserves. Because like I said, he he's still a big name. Like mm-hmm. Everybody knows him, and he still cracks, man. And has like it. you said, he's fast. That hand so hasn't fast. gone anywhere. So like, look at Tony, right? And I don't want to pick on Tony, but like, when we see Tony strike now, it doesn't look like Tony three years ago, mm-hmm. right? It's real stiff and awkward and mm-hmm. just not what it used to. Michael Johnson's has not regressed like at all. I mean, mm-hmm. the speed, everything is still there. And it's like, man, 
you could take that in a sport where you don't have to worry about any of this other stuff right. yeah. and just, just go let go let those things fly, brother. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. that. That's just my thought either way. Um, I mean, but I do get the allure of still, if you can still get fights in the UFC, I think you still take it, but mm-hmm. I would consider it. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, if you can if you can see uh, Eddie Alvarez or Chad Mendez or some of these guys who went over there and looked good, mm-hmm. you know, somebody with his type of length and reach and then like we've already talked about his boxing just in general. Yeah. Uh, he could definitely, you know, continue things over there if he ever felt the need. Hadolfo Vieira, big win over Armin Petrosian uh, by arm triangle in the first round. You know, Vieira, I think, would be a great next matchup for RoboCop as well. Um, two, you know, kind of jujitsu guys and see how that how that would win out, man. I mean... I would definitely give RoboCop the striking advantage there. Yeah. Um, but I think it could be really interesting with how good Hadolfo Vieira is on the ground. And then obviously RoboCop, as they mentioned, being a jiu-jitsu world champion himself. Uh, Petrosian, probably not so much the opponent I'd be looking for if I was the UFC <laughs> for Pfeiffer coming off. Again, I just think Tavares just makes so much sense. Even now, timelines uh, match up. Uh, I don't know if there's any other results you guys wanted to get to. I was... And you guys can maybe help me. I... I didn't turn the fights on until the Petrosian uh, Vieira fight. That was the first fight I had seen. Um, apparently, DC and Dom Cruz were like going back and forth real hard. And I didn't see that. I saw the last prelim fight. I well, what I recall, unless it was something before this, was them uh, going back and forth about like the single. List so that stuff. this was after. So oh, okay. it was it was some point on the prelims. Like I just saw a bunch of people saying that like, man, Dom is like on fire tonight and like i guess him and dc were like really getting into it on commentary uh the single leg thing was because that was like that my like i had been reading it and then when i turned it on them going back because he was just like dc look my man you are the best in the world at single leg like and i was like that was kind of the first little thing i saw but nothing like what i had seen even john anica tweeted that man man i'm loving the fire from dom cruz tonight like i need to go back and listen being brutally honest i just need to know what fight it was so i can go watch Mm. i just don't know which fight it was in maybe dom's trying to get some burn on some of these cards that joe rogan doesn't want to do the (laughs) pay-per-views Timing wise, from like when the tweets came out, it might have been the Trevin Giles uh, fight that it happened in. Um, I saw the end of that. That Carlos Prates dude, uh-huh. he is a monster. Yeah, the dude has Muay Thai tattooed on his chest. Yeah, just to give you some perspective, if you if you put a discipline tattooed on your chest, you're you're telling somebody <laughs> something. Um, and it, but his knockout was just a good one too, and he was actually getting beat up. He was getting outstruck by like forty mm. uh, strikes. It's like one of the biggest at um, I think it's at like welterweight oh, okay, as far as discrepancy to yeah. be a comeback from a win. Yeah, awesome. Well, if you guys don't have anything else to get to, we're gonna get to my favorite, new favorite segment of the show, and that is Brandon updating <laughs> us on our scores. Uh, where actually there is, I'll take it away because there is no update. We all picked uh, <laughs> Joe Pfeiffer, uh, which means Brandon, ladies and gentlemen, has now gone three straight weeks uh, without <laughs> predicting a fight right. Um, our very own Jacob Herlock keeping score at home. <laughs> as I always ask, if you are keeping score at home, he's keeping score at home. Uh, Brandon, that brings your total for this year to one in ten. As far as fights. <laughs> Out of 11 fights uh, that we have picked for, uh, Brandon, you have successfully picked one correct. Is that right? Uh, that doesn't sound right to me. Uh, it sounds right to me. So, well, if you start off at negative three, what are you at? Negative two? No, you no, said negative dude, we've only three picked, still, I thought. Because we picked for Magomed Ankulayev, DDP, and then the Ivorlov. 
and then Moicano. Maybe he was meaning in your three run or your three weeks. Yeah, we've that only picked, been, it might have just been your three weeks. We only picked for five fights in total this year. So no, we've done more than that. No, no, no. It's five. No, it's been way more than that. Unless I'm missing an entire card. Yeah, you're missing like two entire cards. We've already had a pay-per-view. Yeah, Strickland Plus C, where we picked for two. I'd have to go back through. But, dude, I'm editing the videos. I know we've picked for more than five. Trust me. All right. Uh, so we got to figure this out uh, because this is just a new all-time low. Uh, I've, and I've thought a lot about how we're going to fix this, how, what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of where I'm at. Uh an update on the score is you were at negative three still, correct? Negative two. Okay, you're at negative two. And maybe that's what you meant. You've had one out of a possible ten points. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that could have been yeah. it. Uh, so what, here's where I'm at. I we, We've got to stop the bleeding. Um, do, do I you sound befuddled? I'll yeah, be I mean, dude, this was like I was really just stop. beside myself most of last night. Did you get night. any sleep? Okay. Or? A little bit. Um, so... The th- the, this is where I'm landing, dude. I'm telling you, this is real. I mean, I'm just stunned. Like, there's some things as like a podcast producer that you just don't think you're ever going to have to address. This being one of them for me, I never thought we would be here. Uh, this is uncharted territories, and you're hearing it live. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you know I'm process, I'm still processing. This is the idea I came up with, and I think this is the best thing to do. I don't think Brandon is going to go four weeks without a pick. Right? I just, it's statistically almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, this week. <laughs> Uh, because and, and because I do think that we'll probably all have some similar picks here. So uh, if he does go 0-4, it's going to be an issue because we might all <laughs> go 0, which would be a big problem. Well, for it's worth, we all went 0-1 last night. Yeah, so. well, that is that is worth noting. Uh, but uh, here's where I am at, Brandon. Uh, mm-hmm. If the off chance, like I don't even want to go here because I don't think it's going to happen. Don't put it out there. Don't if you go another week uh, without scoring a single point, uh-huh. uh, we are going to have, uh, we are going to enlist the help of an advisor you are going to have a picks advisor until you get back uh not just in the positives but positive three um plus three plus three okay uh which means you uh will have a bit of a say you can do your breakdowns but you are not going to have a say in your pick we are going to take that responsibility from you and we're doing that for you yeah do you you're going to say who the advisor is uh that is to be determined um, I have a couple ideas. Do I ideas. have a say in the advisor? No, you do not. Uh, I have a couple ideas <laughs> might be Tanner, on that. Might be, I mean, we don't know yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I have a couple ideas. Okay. Um, if in the off chance, though, that you do not score a point this week, Brandon, uh, I have come to – this is really – it's not easy for me to do. Uh, but you are going to serve a one-week podcast suspension, uh, meaning you will not be on the next week's episode. Dang. And you will not pick – points either this is if i if i so if i don't score any points not only do i get an advisor but then i'm suspended for a week correct and if you at least score points but you don't get out of the negatives you still have to have an advisor can you explain the basis on why i would be suspended for an episode for- it's just bad right i mean we, we can't ignore the elephant in the room i mean this is bad what, but what are you like i don't I mean, understand <laughs> i mean we're three weeks no points here including a pay-per-view yeah that, that where we picked where we picked two fights I mean, I'm just saying. No, we picked three. No, who'd we pick? We picked uh, Arnold Allen Mobzar, Raquel Myra, uh, Strickland Duplacy. Mm-hmm. Um, Allen Ivoilov on that card? Yes, that's oh, what okay. I said. Oh, yeah. Myra's the one I forgot. I didn't put that down because we yeah. all scored zero. Yeah, we just didn't pick Magni Malat or right. uh, Curtis and Barry mm. Right. Uh, so, yes. So, just because just I think I kind of tied two things together there. Just for clarification. Yeah. If... 
this week you don't get out of the negatives in your picks, you will right. have an advisor. Until oh, you, well, no, no, no. That's not what you said. You I, said if no, I don't. There's two. There's two. That's what oh, I'm saying. Okay. That's why I said I tied them together there. So I want to clarify. If you do not get out of the negatives this week, uh, you will have an advisor uh, coming. And what I mean, I'm including zero. So you need. So I have to get two points. We, we need you at plus one. Two, oh, so three. zero doesn't count then. Correct. I have to get I have to get three points at least. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you are going to have an advisor until you are at plus three. So maybe that's only one week, uh, and the advisor will be decided on by me and John. If in the horrible disaster that you managed to go, I almost don't even want to say it, four weeks, people, uh, without a correct pick, you are going to serve a one-episode suspension your picks will not you, which means you will def, uh, forfeit your picks for next week, mm-hmm. um, and you will um, have an advisor until you're plus three as well. Okay, that will start the free Brandon hashtag. Yeah. They'll be putting on <laughs> yes. stuff if that happens. Absolutely. I don't want to use that. I hate having to wear those T-shirts Absol- to say free Brandon. Or Absolutely. Whatever. Absolutely, and I will pick the uh, the suspension. Probably wouldn't be next week because we'll need to recap the pay per view. But uh, it will probably be the following week, or we'll have you phone in something like that. But you will serve a one week suspension. I just don't know. My hands are tied. Yeah, I mean, my hands are tied here. I don't. I don't know what else to do. I mean, just for uh, what it's worth, man. Would you guys had you? Was there anything you feel like from my pick last night that was just off? Uh, yeah, the Hermanson is a. One of your favorites. <laughs> yeah, no, that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. You picked Drew Dober. I don't usually pick against the grapplers. Yeah, yeah. Got in your own head. I, dude, I even gave you a Hermanson card because that's how big of a fan of him yeah. you are. Like, I was yeah. like, oh, Brandon needs this. Got in your own head but again, man. I see. I thought my problem was I'm picking from emotion, so I try to get away from the emotion. But that's not. It's a double either, negative, so. dude. So this is what I'm saying. That's why I think we need to get you an advisor. Um, if it, if should it come to this, um, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I feel like you can turn it around this week. I'm in your corner. I'm telling you, I don't see the. Oh, I don't see four weeks straight. I'll tell you what. That's really reassuring. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid doing the thing I don't want to do the most. I feel like you know? deep, deep, deep down, you kind of want to do it though. It like would a be kind of party. Who wants it to would do it? be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, for the record, we have picked for two, four, six, seven this year. Yeah, seven seven fights this year. Mm-hmm. Here's Not the other thing: three points though. Is I think we both, me and Nathan, both know you like you kind of like this because you like this whole like building. Because I mean, you started off with making even more negative points. I, I don't know if he likes it. I think I think he liked the negative thing because he wanted the comeback story, but the, the comeback story hasn't even begun. It's not, it's not started off, very <laughs> and, well. and we're yeah. a month and a half. Pass. Yeah, comeback season's a little delayed by a month and a half, almost yeah. six weeks here. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, does that add any more pressure? Would you like to any comments uh, from you for the press in terms of uh, your punishment? I do have one. I do have one thing. I yeah. th- I feel like we need to we need to come to a consensus on a bare minimum points uh, possible to earn per fight. Either either that's different for pay per view or fight night, but we need to come up with like a minimum. Uh, we have to at least have this many points available to earn. So you're saying, like, last night is... Like, like okay, so if you want to say, like, three points for a fight night, then we only pick for one fight on a fight night card. And then for pay-per-views, you want to say, we always pick for three fights, and they're always three points, and you'd say we always have nine points available. I, I get what you're saying, but that's tough. Because, like, last night, again, like, I don't think... Like, for us, we were not, like... Uh, we're not... Uh, um, 
media personalities that this is what we do for a living. You don't have to break them down like that. The extent we always do, we could just, yeah, you could just throw kinda, in the, the back ones. Like I, you could say break down Pfeiffer and whoever, and then we're also picking for Rodriguez and um, whoever, like Johnson and the co-main. But. I know, but the point is to give people something. So just to say, like, who are you taking for this fight? I mean, you kind of want to give a little bit more there. Um, and again, like I said, we just don't have a ton of time for it either. So that's kind of the problem. I can try to do my best. I'll be honest, right now, that Rosenstreich and Gerzim of whoever he's fighting, that fight night, we might not even pick for that. I, I really can't decide. That hurts my heart. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, because you got Umar. I mean, which we'll get to yeah. that in a minute. But, like, dude, I, I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. There's good uh, names, not news. good fights. Mm. I'll there's, just say that for there's, that. There's card. an issue with that. Um, but anyways... That's where we are at. I will try, but again, I don't know that sitting here breaking down Dan Ige versus Andre Feely is necessary. That's why I said you don't need to break it down. Just, <sighs> hey, real quick, give us a, who you pick in. We could do one Go. point. I could do that. Well, that's where, what I'm saying. Where it's at least one point. I could try to do that. But at the end of the day, there was a possibility of three. You got zero, but I have faith for you, Brandon, because this Saturday, February 17th, Live from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, we have UFC 298. Um, and before we get to our featherweight title main event, boys, you know I got a little fun fact about Anaheim, um, and that is the fans of the Los Angeles Angels, whose stadium is in Anaheim, have set nine Guinness World Records, boys. And those records are the largest gathering of Snuggies worn at one time, mm. most wrestling matches. Worn most superhero capes, worn most wigs, most Santa hats, most sombreros, most cowboy hats, most selfie sticks used at one time, and most umbrellas opened at one time. That's your fun fact, boys. That's Nine. Those uh, that's a big one. Those theme nights must be going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the capes one, I I, I saw a picture of the capes. They actually gave everybody the capes. Those were wow. they were pretty cool. They Dude, were like wrestling legit. masks. Yeah. Pretty fun, right? Yeah. If this Saturday at the Honda Center, the UFC was to try to get the crowd to break a Guinness World Record book, what would like what would it have to be to get a UFC crowd to participate? Do you think? Uh, probably like <laughs> most of B pants. Everybody to wear Axe deodorant spray or <laughs> Affliction shirts. <laughs> yeah. Most people to chug a Happy Dad. <laughs> most people to do a shoey. Maybe you could you could probably get most people to do a shoey. Uh, the crowd seems always ready for that. Would you do a shoey? No. <laughs> well then it wouldn't work if not, You'd have to be something Everybody would do I mean I'm saying At a UFC crowd I'm not at the fights Well you're a fan though That's I what am saying. a fan like, What would you do to participate Oh if I, if I was participating yeah. Probably like The most high fives Done in a public place Maybe <laughs> Or um, Maybe like a chest bump I'm pretty good at those any, pretty, any from you Brandon I don't know I got nothing creative Maybe like every, I don't know. He's down in the dumps right now, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be honest. He is rattling. Listen, three weeks, man. I'm yeah. gonna get buried. Well, then you by just you got guys. reprimanded. And like, I know. Like, how am I supposed to be feeling good? I'm on the cusp. He of does it because he loves you. I just want to say that. <laughs> that is true. Hoping to bring the best out, I guess. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it, uh, boys. Let's get to it. Uh, this Saturday, uh, and and for excuse me, the featherweight 
main event. My thing's not working. There we go. This Saturday and for the featherweight title, we have the champ Alexander Volkanovsky versus number three, Ilya Topodia. And we will lead with the six-time champ Alexander Volkanovsky, um, who is returning off his second attempt at capturing the double champ status from Islam Makhachev back in October. Volk took that rematch on just 10 days notice to replace the injured Charles Oliveira. That loss left Volk 1-2 for the year of 2023 as he did lose a close decision to Islam in February of last year. Our 2023 fight of the year mm -hmm. award, uh, by the way, and then returned to successfully defend his featherweight title over Yair Rodriguez back in July. Um, and here he is returning again to 145 pounds and what I think, boys, may be his toughest test stylistically to date. And that's because he will be taking on surging contender Ilya Tapodia, who comes in a perfect 14-0 and in his mixed martial arts career. And with his last six all taking place in the UFC, his last fight was in June of last year where he put on a master class performance over Josh Emmett and really left no doubt over who would be the next title challenger um, and man this matchup really just gives me goosebumps even thinking about it we've waited a long time to see this I'm extremely excited to see it go down boys and equally excited to see who you guys are taking and we will lead with Brandon on who you got alright so I've spent a lot of time for all these fights. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> this is what you said every week. Listen, I, I really have. Like, I'm trying to really do my homework. I went Hold back. On. Don't tell me there's hope. Fights. Yeah. So, all right. So, this is this is where I've landed. So, there's there's two big factors to me that, I, that are kind of standing out as far as this fight. One is that Volk was just knocked out and finished less, about, what, three months ago? It was about that. Um, 100, and some, 100 and some days ago. That's not long. And it was a pretty rough knockout. Um, granted, that fight was on short notice. Um, but that's that's ringing in my mind because that's either just kind of a wash because of the short notice or that's the start of a downfall. Like we see guys get knocked out like that and then they don't recover. I don't know what that was. This is to be determined. Two is we just watched Romanson go out there and put on a performance as a veteran against a guy who we talked about in a very similar manner in Joe Pfeiffer as we are with Iliad. Now, uh, Iliad doesn't have quite the resume as Volkanovski, like his two biggest wins are Bryce Mitchell and Josh Emmett. So mm -hmm. for me, I got to lean Volkanovski. I think he's got all of the capabilities as far as the grappling, the striking. Ilya's got the heavier hands in my opinion, but I think that 145 man Volks look untouchable. I mean, he's, he's beat Max three times, Ortega, Yair, Zombie. I mean, he's, he's done it against everybody. There's nothing that tells me he can't do it again here against Ilya. He's just the next guy up, a young guy, a great, you know, a killer. I get it. Mm -hmm. But I just think Volk has all the capabilities to shut him down and humble him, as he's saying. Um, but Ilya does have that knockout power. I think that's the way he's going to get it done if it does go that way. But I just think Volk still is that guy at 145. The two losses are to Islam, the, art, the number one pound for pound fighter right now. So I'm not going to carry that too much stock into that. So I'm taking Alexander Volkanovsky. I think he gets it done via unanimous decision. Yeah, I genuinely, for the record, do think Volk is the greatest featherweight in the world, and probably of all time, if we're being honest. Um, and one thing that makes Volk so great is his ability to go wherever a fight takes him, right? And really not one Alexander Volkanovsky performance looks exactly the same, mm -hmm. um, which just speaks to how good he is and how well-rounded he is and why he's been so hard to beat uh, for so long. Um, but I have a feeling uh, that this is going to 
have a, he's going to have a hard time uh, getting past Ilya Tapodia. Um, I think Volk holds an advantage um, in a lot of places in this fight. Certainly five-round experience, um, championship experience. Um, he's also certainly faced tougher competition, right, mm -hmm. including going up to face Islam, which may also uh, give him a physicality advantage, right, especially in the takedown department. Uh, you could also argue he may be the striker in this matchup with more tools in his belt, I think. Mm -hmm. Um but, man, it's also easy to find counters to in Ilya's game for all of those things, excluding, um, you know, the experience and the competition level and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, but when you see a fight uh, this close, and we say this all the time, you just have to sort of nitpick, right? And one thing that I just cannot look past, um, and I think this is a big advantage for Ilya going into this Saturday, are the knockdowns. Uh, Ilya averages 0.81 knockdowns per 15 minutes, so almost won a fight. Um, and matter of fact, he scored one in his last three consecutive fights. Mm -hmm. um, he may be the hardest hitter that Alexander Volkanovsky has, has faced. Um, and it's not just his ability to knock guys down that scare it's also his ability to finish fights, especially with uh, submissions. Uh, he also currently holds the highest percentage for significant strike defense amongst featherweights at 62%, uh, with his takedown defense at 92% should Volk decide to grapple. Um, so you can kind of see stylistically at least why this may be a tough matchup for Volk. Um, and I know a lot of that is just numbers, and it comes down to can Ilya go out there on Saturday and put it all together? Um and I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> we're all going to find out. Uh, but for me, boys, at least, um, in a 25-minute fight, if you're asking me, will he drop Volk when he averages almost one every 15 minutes, I think he can. Um, especially a Volk who is 35 years old, which also doesn't favor him statistically. I loved the video that Volk put out mm -hmm. this week about That's what being I was too talk old. About. Absolutely loved it. Um, and I'm not saying age is going to have any merit, but again, statistically it does. I think it was Luke Thomas put out the tweet of um, from uh, flyweight to 175 pounds, champions 35 years and over are like one in. It's two. No, uh, it was two. like two and fourteen or no, something. No, it's it's like one and fifteen. Uh, or no, two and yes, you're right. It's like two and fifteen. And Tyron Woodley were both. I, I thought think. Volkanovski was both. Volk's got like well, but he's different. not thirty. He's not been over thirty. Thirty five. Oh, over. okay. It's thirty five and over. Okay. Yeah. Um. So again, maybe nothing, but statistically, that's not favorable either. Um. And Volk is coming off, as Brandon mentioned, a pretty brutal head kick. Uh. Only four months ago. I will say I don't think a uh, decision will favor Ilya here. I think he's going to have to finish, uh, and I think he needs to try to do it early. So give me Ilya Topodia by second round, KOTKO. Man, this is such a tough one, man. I, I think that especially when we've seen all these – uh, you know, up-and-comers kind of struggle against the experience. It's kind of been a little bit of a theme this year. Um, I do love the promo by uh, Alexander. I think yeah. that, first of all, probably the best promo I've ever seen. That was fun. Um, that was great. Granted, it does seem like you had a little bit of a backing from a sponsor, but that's just how much, you know, of a personality Volkanovsky's grown into. Um, I, you know, also some of the stuff that Ilya has been saying has been his confidence is very, very high. Um, and that goes one of two ways, you know, sometimes you're overconfident and you run into something or sometimes that confidence pushes you through something. DC's kind of liking how he feels to when Connor fought Aldo as far as like just that level of invincibility. Um, what makes it tough for me is that because Volkanovsky has won 
um, so much and beat so many great fighters, it's hard for me to see the skills that Ilya has completely transferring. Because when you talk about Ilya's ability to wrestle, it is really good, but Islam's probably the top of that. And Volkanovsky did a good job of dealing with that. When you talk about jujitsu, he does get a lot of finishes, but Brian Ortega is one of the best as well. And he was able to get through some of Brian Ortega's A-game stuff. Uh, also, Craig, uh, you know, training with Craig Jones, those type of things, constantly kind of sharpening his tools. And then even with the boxing, I think Ilya has some of the best boxing in the division under Max Holloway. And we've seen Volkanovsky... You know, yeah, but Max doesn't have the power. No, no, no for sure. Possesses. But you have to be able to hit him. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's just so tough to compare because, like, we just don't see Max finish guys and hit guys the way Elliot. Right, but we also don't see people finish Volkanovsky for the most part. Fair it enough. doesn't happen. I mean, like, even when you do hit him, it took a head kick to do what happened to him recently. We've seen him get punched. It's just he's such a tough guy. I just don't know that Ilya, because, like, Ilya does have slick boxing, but, like I said, he outstruck Max Holloway like very easily in their most recent fight. So I, I and obviously the the more recent stuff is the knockout, but I also wonder what happens with Volkanovsky with what he said as far as, you know, drinking a lot leading up to that and just kind of not being himself. If he's found a way to kind of respark that and get back to that mentality, that's a Volkanovsky that we haven't seen anybody really be able to do much with outside of Islam even in their first fight. So I'm actually going with Volkanovsky by decision, but I'm staying true to my word with the eight ball and I'm going to shake it and whatever it lands on, that's what we're going to go with. So I, I took decision. So you did take decision. So I'm going to take Volkanovsky by third round TKO. And this says without a doubt. There you go. So I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I honestly don't know that Elia will be able to take Volk down. But again, that's where the knockdown things in my pick is going to play into that because, um, you know, it's one thing to take a guy down and then try to work to a submission, much like maybe like a Brian Ortega or catch him in a scramble. But if you do it from clipping a guy and they're wobbly and not in a great, you know, it's a lot easier to slap something on when a guy's a little bit out of it. Well, I, I even think like how you said, like you don't favor a decision. He wasn't able to put Josh Emmett away and he landed some yeah. big stuff there too. And Volkanovsky is arguably more durable in my opinion. Well, yeah, you put away Josh Emmett and uh, Volkanovsky did what he did to Yair. He wanted right. to do some MMA the, the MMA math. math is so Dude, weird. And, that, and that's what makes Vol. That's why getting back to it, man, that's what makes Alexander Volkanovsky so good. Like, okay, Yair, uh, you're going to come in and kick me. I'm going to catch a kick and I'm going to take you down. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Max, like you're this great boxer, you know, you're, you're slick with the hands. I'm just going to use my speed, head movement, footwork. You're not going to touch me mm -hmm. and I'm just going to, you know, pick it, you know, he I'm has great leg, ki leg kicks. Haven't time. really came back as much, but that's something that he does well. So it'll just be interesting to see the version that we bring and Ilya could bring out the best or Ilya can prove to be ready to, you know, kind of take over. Honestly, cannot wait boys. Let us move to the co-main event um, and in the middleweight division. And, man, what a big first of the year it has been for this division. As we mentioned last week, three straight main events and now a huge co-main event here with number three, Robert Whitaker versus number six, Paulo Costa. Uh, let us first look at Bobby Knuckles, who's coming into this bout off his TKO loss to current champ, Drikas Duplacy, back in July. 
Um, and in doing that, Duplessis became the only other man not named Adesanya to beat Robert Whitaker at middleweight. Uh, Whitaker is 12 and three since moving back to 185 pounds in 2014. And this time out, or not back to, excuse me, he was never, he came up from 170, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time out, he will face one of the most polarizing um, and maybe somewhat controversial guys yeah. in the division, not named Sean Strickland, uh, Paulo Costa. Um, and Costa has had an interesting run in the UFC, uh, to say the least. Um, we haven't seen him since August of 2022, where he defeated Luke Rockhold by unanimous decision. Uh, he was then set to face Whitaker in February of last year. However, the bout never happened as terms to the contract were never agreed. Uh, Costa was then scheduled to fake, face Ikram Alaskarov in July, but then that bout was scratched, so Costa could be rebooked against Hamzat Shimaev at UFC 294 last October, but again, uh, Costa falling out, this time citing another injury. Hole in his um, arm. Yeah, and man, I I just kind of in like the injuries and stuff like you can't help uh, but I just kind of feel like that's the story of Costa's career you know his out of action antics kind of overshadow everything he's ever done in the UFC in my opinion mm-hmm. um, and he's just kind of been plagued by weight misses contract disputes injuries um, for most of his UFC tenure uh, so this is a big fight for Costa man to show up healthy hopefully on weight uh, because he's facing one of the best middleweights that we've ever seen for about the past decade mm-hmm. um, but at one time we all thought Costa was really special too, right, early on. So um, can he show that here and pull off what would be, uh, in my opinion, the biggest win of his UFC career and at the right time mm-hmm. for Paulo Costa as well? Uh, so interested to see what you guys think, who you're taking. Brandon, who you got in this middleweight co-main event? Yeah, so I'm leaning really heavy into Robert Whitaker here. I know he's coming off the loss to DP, but I think if you go back to 2014, 2015, the only two losses on Whitaker's record are um, Izzy and DDP. And so it's hard for me to see what Paul offers that's really going to stifle Whitaker other than he has some pretty good power if he uses it and comes forward. But like right before his win over Rockwell, we saw Paulo get beat by Vittoria. It was just a lack of activity, a lack of volume. Mm-hmm. So I think Whitaker has all the tools to be able to do this the, the exact same way, and he's way more active than Paulo is as well. Um, I, I think there's actually a like, strong chance that Paulo misses weight here. Um, but as far as the fight itself, yeah, man, I just think that Whitaker has all the ability to pick him apart and just even influence some wrestling if he wants to. Um, Paulo does carry some power. That's always going to be a little bit of an equalizer. But I just think this is really um, Robert's fight to lose here, just given all those variables. So I'm taking Robert Whitaker. Um, I don't think it's three rounds, so I don't know. I don't think he finishes Paulo here. Um, I think this is going to be a decision as well. So I'm going to say Whitaker by decision. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It is really hard uh, to know how to rate Paulo Costa coming into this, and mainly because we just haven't seen really a consistent body of work from him since. 2017 which was the last time Costa fought more than once in a year Mm -hmm. Um, and here we are coming into a fight where we haven't seen him in over a year so that's five fights in the last six years for Costa um, with some pretty up and down performances as well it has to be said in that time Um, so it's just hard to know what you're going to get from Costa Uh, and he's coming into a fight with a guy who again is one of the best middleweights in the world and Robert Whitaker uh Costa looked okay in the Rockhold fight, uh, but Rockhold was absolutely gassed after about three minutes of that fight, Um, and Rockhold himself came into that fight off like a three-year layoff, right? So... 
I know Whitaker is coming in off the loss where he got knocked out or TKO'd, uh, which I think in most cases would give me some pause, especially against the guys whose offense is as good and as dangerous as Costa's. But that loss was to the guy who is now world champion. Now, um, there's nothing DDP did to Whitaker that Costa isn't capable of doing, in my opinion. Uh, but since he moved to middleweight in 2014, Whitaker uh, has never lost back-to-back fights either, uh, which tells me he's a guy who's capable of making adjustments and maybe even finds a little bit more motivation um, in taking a loss and, and kind of bouncing back from it. Um, now, there is some things he needs to do a little different that he can learn from that DDP loss. Um, he needs to be first, especially in this fight, um, and have a little more variety in his striking. I think leg kicks especially uh, are just kicks in general, but especially leg kicks could be huge for Whitaker here because he can't allow Costa to move forward where he will be the most dangerous because like I said, Costa has some great offense, but Costa's defense isn't as great. He definitely does get hit quite a bit. So if Whitaker can push the pace, keep Costa moving backwards, um, I think he'll have a lot of success here. Plus we know Costa's cardio can be a little suspect at times as well. Um, I think Whitaker is going to find a way. I, uh, I love. I like the decision. I, I actually had decision as well. Um, I think we've seen even when Costa kind of shows up out of shape, right? We've seen him uh, get through a fight, like the Vittori fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he he was I missed weight horribly, yeah, yeah, and still somehow got through it and looked okay, even though, like I said, he did definitely fade. So I do like the decision, but since Brandon picked it, I can't take it. Um, so I will take Robert Whitaker. Uh, let's go third round KO TKO for Robert Whitaker. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's funny is before, um, I think it was maybe yesterday, I was scrolling through, it was either Instagram or X, but there's a picture of Paulo Costa, and he is ripped. It looks right. He always does, though. Well, I mean, it's just like there's never a time where he hasn't looked. And it's like if, if he's ripped and he's in shape and he doesn't have the, the uh, you know, the weight issue, you know, that's one thing that I think about, but... I don't think that he's necessarily, um, you know, been the same since the Izzy loss. He was in this kind of untouchable zone, really strong, coming forward. He's going to be the guy, gets knocked out, gets embarrassed. And then, you know, since then it's been this, like like you said, like a circus of, you know, I, I laughed when you were talking about the uh, Ariskarov fight because you remember he, like, laughed, like, oh, you guys thought I was going to fight him. Nope, I'm fighting Hamza. And then yeah. he has a hole in his arm from whatever, I don't remember what it was, some type of um, infection. Infection, yeah. Um, but it, you don't know. What I do know about Paulo Costa is he's very, very durable. Um, when you think back, to, even at that Yoel Romero fight, like if that version of Paulo shows up against anybody, that's a problem. But we just haven't seen that since losing to Izzy. Um, I do think that, like I said, the durability is there. I do question a little bit with Whitaker because... Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's anything that DDP did other than, I mean, he does have some funky striking, but he came forward and he just didn't fade away uh, and was able to land something big. Whereas, and, and we've seen that a couple, and even amongst the losses for Whitaker, two of the three have been by knockout. So he does have a chin that if you can get to it, you can drop him or knock him out. Um, with Paulo Costa, we had the, he did have the Izzy knockout, but that's it. We've seen him take punches from a lot, a lot of people. Um, I kind of want to lean Paulo here, man. I want to take a chance. I think that he um, he has the power. Um, we haven't really seen his jujitsu necessarily on display, but we haven't seen anybody be able to take him down and hold him down either. Um, Luke Rockwell at the end of that fight, right? Just rubbing his face in, him. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and I think that for Paulo Costa, he has to have that type of performance, though, because he, like you said, he's in a position to where you know there's a lot of up and comer middleweights. I don't know if we've had a card this year that didn't have a middleweight fight on it. Like it's just that you could tell they've been really pushing that division because they have so much talent there. So he really needs to show up. And Whitaker, you know, he needs to show it as well. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Paulo Costa here, and I'm going to say by decision. I think that he can land some big shots, um, and we haven't seen anybody be able to truly implement a lot of wrestling on him so I think that he's going to come through in his best form but Whitaker is hard to put out as well so I'm going to take it by decision Alrighty, let us move boys to our third and final featured bout on the main card um, and the one that may produce our next bantamweight number one contender as we have number two Marab Dwalashwili versus number three Henry Cejudo and let us lead with the Georgian Marab Dwalashwili who comes in riding an eight fight win streak uh, his last win came in March of last year where he defeated Piotr Jan by unanimous decision decision where he also broke the UFC record for most takedowns attempted in a fight with 49 Um, and that just almost doesn't even seem real to me like that is just insane Uh, spamming when playing the game (laughs) yeah yeah Marab did spend most of last year recovering from a surgery to the hand um, and with his teammate Aljamain Sterling heading 10 pounds north uh, the path to the title is right in front of him if he can get through the former champ and triple C himself Henry Cejudo, the former flyweight and bantamweight champ Cejudo, returned last year after a three-year stint with retirement. In his return, he faced bantamweight go Aljamain Sterling, where he lost by split decision. That was his first loss in seven fights, so it's no surprise to me that uh, he's essentially getting another big shot to get right back in the title picture, uh, because make no mistake, I do believe if he wins, we will see Triple C in another championship bout, possibly as soon as this year, Uh, but I feel that for either guy, obviously. I still know we have Sanhagen, uh, who is returning from injury, but outside of him, uh, these guys are the clear-cut next contenders in my book. Uh, so with that, Brandon, who you like? This one was really tough for me to pick for. I, I, I They're both obviously grapplers. Henry has the bigger accolades with the Olympic medal, um, but as far as it translates to MMA, man, I'm putting a lot of stock into that last fight with Cejudo and Aljamain. Aljamain was able to take Cejudo down four times in that fight. Now, the fight itself was close. I leaned out Aljamain as far as winning um, but if Aljamain can take you down four times I don't see any reason why Marab who shoots way more often can also do the same um, now in that fight with Piotr there was 11 landed takedowns and a lot of that fight was Piotr getting up and then uh, Marab taking him down again I see this fight going in a very similar direction um, Mighty Mouse had some success grappling with Cejudo as well um, I, I think Marab gets it done here via wrestling. I think he's going to be a wet blanket that Cejudo's going to have to deal with the entire time. If Cejudo opens up with his hands a little bit more, which is what I thought he was lacking in the Aljamain yeah. fight, I think he has success, and especially with his kicks. He's got to use his kicks and use his hands. But Marab is not an easy guy to do that with. So I'm going to take Marab here. I feel like I've been going decision lately. That's like two decisions in a row, but I kind of feel like decision is <laughs> the answer here as well. Um, I'm going to take Marab. I'm going to say by decision. I think he wet blankets Cejudo and gets it done. Uh, 
Yeah, it's funny for me because, you know, for the Leon-Colby fight, one of my arguments against Colby winning that fight was, you know, at this level of mixed martial arts, you have to be able to do more than just kind of weaponize your pace and cardio. Uh, but Marab may be the argument against that at the same time because... <laughs> it's an X-factor, man. Dude, I mean, he just does seem to, at least to this point, kind of defy what is humanly possible in terms of output. Um, even going back to that Piotr Jan fight, I think on commentary they were like, "There's this is like an impossible pace to keep for five rounds yet he did it um mm -hmm. and he's so good at just smothering guys that can, it almost just seems to kind of disorient the his opponents i certainly felt that in the Piotr yan fight uh, because he's just kind of always walking forward they don't even have a chance to reset um and his striking isn't the best uh but he's just good at just constantly putting things in guys faces um and switching up the timing between his punches and takedowns so you know he's like bop bop takedown and then he'll go like bop takedown then he'll just walk and shoot a naked takedown or i mean it's just like he's constantly switching he's up that rhythm and he, yeah i mean it's just so tough and i really think it just confuses opponents because they never know what's coming. Um, and when you look at Cejudo, who I know was coming off a three-year layoff against who may be the greatest bantamweight of all time in Aljo, it was always going to be tough, right? Um, and even like Brandon saying with the takedowns, like I totally agree um, that Aljo made it look easy, but Aljo's also a lot bigger, a lot stronger, I would probably guess, than Marab. But nonetheless, still gave Cejudo a lot of problems. Um, but I do think, at least to me, that we did see a bit of regression um, in the game of Henry Cejudo from the Cruz to the Aljo fight. Um, and Henry is a guy who he needs, kind of what Brandon's saying, he needs to come forward to really be successful on the feet. He needs to let the hands go. Um, and when Aljo had the most success in their fight, it was with when in the striking was when Aljo was coming forward and getting Henry to move backwards. And I just don't see a guy like Marab giving him Henry an inch in this fight. Um, and I do think Henry is one of the smartest minds in this game, and I think he will come fully ready with the right game plan for Marab. Uh, but can he go out and deliver at this stage? I'm just not so sure. And for that reason, I have to pick Marab. Um, I, too, see this going to a decision. Either way, I think whoever wins, I see a decision for either guy. Uh, but Brandon picking the Marab uh, decision. Um, so let's go. I will take, boy, I will take Marav Dwalashwili. Since I can't get my decision, I'm going to go real bold here. I'm going to say second round, spinning back fist. Mm. KOTKO finish for Marav. Nice. He's going old school, baby. Yeah, man, I think this fight's going to be uh, be interesting, but there's there's a lot of things that go against Cejudo for this for me. Um, one, obviously, being losing to the main training partner of the guy you're fighting it's again. Tough, yeah. Um, so he knows. I mean, Marav basically played the role of Cejudo probably that whole camp. So he knows some of those tendencies because they looked at him. Um, like you guys were talking about the spamming of the takedowns. But the other thing is this will be the first time in six fights that Cejudo's not fighting for a belt. He's not doing five rounds. So you don't get those extra two. So if Marab gets up early on these takedowns, you don't have the championship rounds to try to lean on to hope that maybe your cardio is there or to open up something. And I think that's going to be the problem. Marab only having three rounds or knowing he only has to do three rounds is probably going to do 20 takedown attempts around, even if he's not getting them. If you go yeah. back to like the Aldo fight, Aldo was able to stuff a lot of those takedowns, but in between, Aldo wasn't able to get nothing off because he's always constantly battling a takedown. And I think, especially in a three-round fight, it's going to be really hard for Cejudo to go up against. But then also, I'd, I'm not a big fan of Cejudo's kind of like mentality in this, of like, oh, well, if I lose, I'm probably just going to retire. Like, 
it, it does feel a little one foot in, one foot out, and we know that that can be very dangerous at the top level here. And um, and Marab knows that this is his chance. A win gets him the Sean O'Malley fight. I'd have to suggest or have to uh, think with his streak that he's been on and the kind of build up it's already had a little bit with the jacket. <laughs> uh, hopefully he wears that if that happens. And I just really like Marab, man. Online, he's probably one of the funnier guys. If you see a video of him, just remember the one of him like walking by people fighting. Yeah. And he's just like holding his phone up, and I don't know. I, I just really like to see him get the win and. I just don't know if Cejudo is going to have enough. So I too liked Marab by decision. Um, so I'm going to take Marab by third round TKO. I think that he can wear on Cejudo and maybe land some big shots, kind of how he did with the Marlon Marais fight. And I'll add one more thing. I would love to see a return of the leg kicks in Henry's game. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he had so much success with them against Cruz. Did you say this? Did you talk touch on this? No. Okay. I thought you may have said it. Um, I know you probably don't want to offer your leg to a guy like Marab and put it out there, but if you're Cejudo, you know the takedowns are coming regardless, right? Um, So you may as well just get on those legs early uh, to try to at least possibly slow Marab down in those attacks for the later rounds because like, we're all sitting here saying we think this thing's going long. So invest in that early if you're Cejudo, even if it gets you taken down a little bit. He can land a good knee up the middle or something too. Like He does have sneaky stuff. It's just he's going to have to do it early because if he thinks that he can wait and until, you know, the middle of the second into the third to try to turn it up on Marab. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Last one, boys. Just need a winner here uh, for this last pick, uh, and it is in the welterweight division. Uh, so one-pointer, obviously. That's why I said I just need the winner. Number eight, Jeff Neal versus number 10, Ian Machado. Gary, definitely no love lost here, boys. <laughs> Uh, these two do not like each other, and you'll famously remember Ian Gary wearing the Jeff Neal mugshot shirt, mm-hmm. uh, a gesture that was obviously not received well by Jeff Neal. Uh, these two were then scheduled to face each other in August of last year at UFC 292, but Neal backed out uh, for undisclosed reasons. Uh, that night, Ian Gary instead faced Neil Magny, who defeated, who he defeated by unanimous decision, and in doing so, also defeated my parlay for that night. Yeah, but- say the most mad I've ever seen Nathan to uh, the end of a round. Uh, Jeff Neal's last fight was his third round submission loss to Shavkat Rachmanov in March of last year. Uh, before that loss, he was coming off back-to-back wins over Santiago Ponzinibbio and obviously became the first man to KO TKO Vicente Luque in his next win. Aside from that, uh, Magni win. Gary is a perfect 13-0 in his career with his last six all coming inside the UFC. Uh, but I think he faces his most dangerous test on paper this Saturday. We will start with Brandon. Who are you taking? Yeah, so to me, this is another one of those just, I mean, I granted Ian fought Magny, who's a veteran, but to me, I just think um, Neil would kind of displays similar problems, but I think he's a he's a fantastic boxer who's a very, very difficult to put away, as is Magny, but I just think that Neil carries a little bit more power in his hands compared to the previous opponents for Ian, and I think that if he's able to really touch Gary, I think he could put him away. Um, I know this is one point my, my pick is uh jeff neal um, but i just think that gary's more dynamic of a striker but i think that neal if he's able to push the pace and just keep his hands in front of him he can really stifle a lot of that forward movement and we've seen gary dropped and rocked before the only reason he wasn't finished in that fight was because the guy decided to grapple so i mean yeah. i think he's capable of being put away so i'm going to take neal here yeah, we do say it every time with Jeff Neal, and it's always it depends what Jeff Neal is going to turn up yeah. because I definitely think 
Jeff Neal at his best is a tough guy for anyone in this division to beat. Um, And I think he is going to be very motivated to fight Ian Gary in this fight, which may bring out the best Jeff Neal. Um, But I think I'm going to take a flyer on Ian Gary here. Uh, He did this camp at Shooto Box with Diego Lima and Charles Oliveira. I'm really interested to see if that kind of takes his striking and grappling game just to a whole different level here. Um, And I really struggle with Neil in this matchup as well because he just doesn't mix it up enough on the feet. You know, I'd love to see him go into the body and work in some leg kicks more, just kicks in general. But that guy, you go look at his stats. I mean, he barely throws seven body shots and maybe five kicks a fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just doesn't mix it up a whole lot um, because to go in and just headhunt a guy like Ian Gary, I think is going to be really tough uh if neil lands gary goes out no doubt about it uh but other than that i see gary um as being the more complete martial artist at this time so i will take ian gary yeah i'm interested to see how uh ian gary responds because obviously this will be the first fight um because obviously he was supposed to fight vincente luque that gets x and then now we're kind of to this point um i'd be interested to see how he comes back from all of this stuff on the internet it's kind of way it's kind of washed over by now but we don't know what that's done to him as far as how he's going to fight this and you know for jeff neal obviously like you said he has a lot of things to pull inspiration from but is he going to fight mad and does fighting mad equal bad for him like is it going to be too much uh is he going to walk into something um i'm going to take ian gary on this as well but i think it's because because the fact that neil needs to stay in boxing range and needs to kind of land big stuff because all he usually does is throw hands. I think he could find himself in the same spot as Neil Magny of eating too many of those leg kicks and then not being able to basically do anything. And then Ian Gary will kind of make Nathan mad again and kind of hunt around, pick him at, pick him at the top, maybe keep kicking at the leg. But I do think I am, there is the point that Ian Gary does get hit. Um, and if, and like you, we've all said, if Jeff Neal hits you, it could be very bad, but I do think that, um, if you're Ian Gary, you know that. So you stay away. Try to stay away from boxing range in general. Or use your kicks. Keep them at length. Um, constantly moving around, and I think he can do that. Real quick, am I tripping, or did Jeff Neal head kick knock out Mike Perry? Am I remembering that right? Uh, I, could, I, don't know. I know he doesn't normally throw. It's not like a normal way for him to finish a guy, but I'm almost positive he head kick KO'd Mike Perry. I am not sure. So the yeah. kicks are in there. He yeah, just he, just has, he just has to pull him out. <laughs> well, but if he did, he lost. It, it was. It just says KO. It doesn't say. I, I swear that was a head kick. Maybe I'm wrong, but that yeah, just stood out to me. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm not seeing either. It says punches on the. So no he might have. He could have yeah. dropped him with a kick. Mm-hmm. But even like in that fight, like dude, he threw to the body three times. I mean, I guess he yeah. didn't last very long. Went to the legs twice. I just, you just if you look through Jeff Neal's stats. No, I just, I completely agree with you. But I'm just like I feel like he does have a random. Head kick yeah. knockout, but maybe I'm wrong. Also on this card, boys, a uh, couple other fights worth mentioning. Obviously, our boy Fluffy Hernandez yes, takes on Roman Kopilov. Kopilov filling in who I just blanked on who Rome, uh, Fluffy was supposed to fight. They just backed out like last week. Oh, who was that's that? Another weird name. Jeez. It was a big name. It was a pretty good name, too. Well, you got your phone out. Maybe one of you guys will look that up. Uh, also got Amanda Limoges versus Mackenzie Dern, both ladies. Uh, looking to get back in the wind column. This feels really weird for Mackenzie Dern because it's not like she's on like a significant losing streak here. But man, you feel like if she loses two in a row, I think it was the way she lost. Yeah, it's just well, it's just that, Ikram, Ikram Alaskarov. There yeah. you go. Thank you. Uh, was supposed to face Fluffy Hernandez. Um, yeah, it's tough, man, because. With Mackenzie Dern, it's like I, what I remember us saying is like, man, she's just not making the leaps that you would like to see 
you know, for how long she's been in here mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so really interested. She looks like, I mean, you see her posting videos. She looks strong as ever, man. She looks to be in great shape. So we'll see uh, Marcos Hajirio de Lima versus Justin Taffa. That'll probably be a fun one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hinye Nakamura, excited to see him uh, versus Carlos Vera. Yeah, Val Woodburn, glad to see him getting another one yeah. after the <laughs> Bo, the, <laughs> Bo, Bo Nickel. Nickel. Mm-hmm. Um, that Oban Elliott, why do I rem- Well, Yeah, I think I do remember him. There's something significant. Oh, I think I saw him on Contender Series. Maybe that's where I remember him. So, yeah, Andrea Lee, Miranda Maverick kicking things off. That's the one that Brandon will be Brandon, watching. famous Miranda Maverick fan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Till he dies. Whatever, whatever happens. <laughs> Boys, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. So the mystery that is UFC 300 main event continues to add mystique as we continue to get word from big-name fighters like John Jones saying that he was asked to be the main event for 300 but had to decline because he wouldn't be healthy in time. Uh, also had Dana White on the Pat McAfee show talking about Connor saying that he'll be back eventually, hopefully this year, and that he's hoping for the fall, which is obviously a pushback on Connor tweeting that he'll be the main event for UFC 300. Uh, Tom Aspinall has posted a plane ticket in a story, getting people thinking that maybe he might be in line for it. Um, we also heard Dana White on the Nelk Boys podcast saying that there's some crazy twists going on behind the scenes and that everything people think about UFC 100 could change tomorrow, saying that he still has one mid-card fight and the main event left a book. And co-main. And two title fights. Okay, yeah. I thought he just said main in the middle because he already has two title fights on uh, it already I thought, I thought he said for another. the BMF. I he said and another. Maybe I misunderstood. Yeah. I could have misunderstood it. Either way, it seems like he has... At he, this point, who yeah. knows? That's really what I wrote down. At this point, who knows where it goes? We've thrown out a thousand possibilities and chances are it's none of them. Yeah, I'm so lost, man. And it, here's what it is doing. It, it's building, you know, a lot of hype. People have not stopped talking about UFC 300 and... So it's like a part of me is like, look, Dana White's a smart businessman. Is this just him trying to keep us all on our, you know, interested on our toes? And but then you hear like John Jones saying this just two days ago that two days prior to that he was asked if he wants to fight in the main event, which tells me they have no idea what they're doing. He said he was asked two days prior to when he put the tweet yes, out. Yes, this this was no. He did an interview. He's in like Australia. And he did an interview, I think it was like on Friday or something, mm-hmm. and he said that just two days ago, before that interview, so like Wednesday of last week, he was asked if he wants to fight on 300. Whoa. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. like, have you seen John Jones? Yeah. The guy does not look like he's anywhere close to a fight. I mm. mean, we could get to that. I mean, holy cow, <laughs> dude, he looks not in great shape. Yeah. I mean, he looks a little rough out there in Australia. Uh, but... That's a problem, man. And, and you know he just had surgery, so are you that desperate? Um, because the problem, though, at this point, there's just not many people left. Like mm-hmm. we said, like, Leon and Bilal, you know, that's but that's not going to be the needle move, right? I don't suspect that they're going to want it to be. You know, I'm to the point now where I'm convinced it's GSP versus Habib. Like, that's how far <laughs> I've gone down the worm. I mean, I just don't know what else, like, other than some big type of return he said er, like two weeks ago it's a super fight one of them's a super fight that he's working on i think that led a lot of people to the aspinall lex Pedeta fight mm-hmm. um i don't know man it's just wild i've just we've never seen anything like this well one thing that me and nathan uh have a little bit of experience on uh being like uh, being 
big into music, sometimes you get this thing thrown out. The one I'm going to use is Detox, the Dr. Dre album, right? Yeah. You hear about this so much, and it almost gets to a point to where, like, it's never going to live up to how much we've to put into this. Yeah. And it's going to be disappointing regardless. Even if it's good, it's not going to be as great and, you know, mind-blowing. And, you yeah. know, they could at this point, they could throw up Islam and Leon in a, in a super fight, and it's going to be like, all right. Uh, just the, the your suit that you know you'd said yeah. it in the group things. They booked so heavy at the beginning of this year for the next two pay per views that we're going to be talking about. The one we're about to watch, the yeah. one after um, that. You know, you kind of took away some of your your players that could have been available for this as far as the top. Which makes me wonder, like, what was the plan? Because if you book all these guys so heavy at the beginning of the year, you had to have had an idea of what you wanted to do when you booked UFC. Mm-hmm. 298 UFC 299 like do you think when it's all said and done they'll come out with what happened like with why no. things went well, he did no. say he did say if this goes through he's going to try to do like a documentary or something because it's so crazy what whatever's happening behind the scenes that's and, what makes me feel like it's like GSP versus Habib like it's or like Nate Diaz versus Habib or something like I feel like like one of those three like it's gotta it's gotta be like a return or something that's mm-hmm. like monumental that we all thought as fans we would never see Habib would be that name this yeah. fighter ever again in the UFC or fighting ever again. Um, well, if you go back to our three hundred predictions, there wasn't not even a, a tiny bit of doubt that it wasn't Connor and whoever, and then the rest of the card gets made. Yeah. And now we're looking at you know he's saying fall. Connor was saying he's basically ready. Michael Chandler. I feel bad for this guy who's just sitting out there on, yeah. you know, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for if he's going to have to fight him at heavyweight, if he's going to have to fight him in a parking lot. At, like. the, at this point with Chandler, Chandler, part of me almost wonders if the UFC is almost like purposefully trying to like wait him out, wait him out, yeah, stall him and, out, and make him be like, you know what, I'm tired of waiting. I don't want the Connor fight. Just give me somebody. And then it's like, oh, thank God, now we can give Connor to. Who you know, whoever they mm-hmm. really want to give Connor, you know what I mean? Like, just there, I just can't help but think like they don't want to, they don't want to seem completely like jerks and just take it from Chandler. But especially if you have like Nate Diaz or something in the wings, like dude, yeah, I'll fight Connor at yeah, like you know they would love to do that. Dude. Like they would yeah. like in like a drop of a dime, they would love to put on Nate Diaz versus Connor. But it's like ah, oh, but we can't do this to Chandler. But it's like. They almost want Chandler to like fall on his own sword. He's like, you know what? Just forget it. Give me, <laughs> give me anybody. Yeah. Well, and I think this kind of goes back to something we talked about last week with the UFC trying to just doing things, hoping that things turn out better. Or because like even doing Connor on the Ultimate Fighter, you're thinking he's going to give it the big boost. Chan- Chandler might have been the only person who said yes to wanting to do it based on the other personalities of people maybe you wanted to put against Connor. Well, now you have to backtrack a little bit because it was going to headline Dallas in the stadium and do yeah. all these things, and now we're to the point where we don't even know if it's going to happen. So we'll be on the lookout. I'm sure we'll have some UFC 300 news next week and probably all the way up until it happens. Connor Connor teased an announcement tonight at the Super Bowl. He he thinks they're going to announce something tonight. That's what I said. I've also seen a lot of theories that there's going to be like a Bud Light UFC commercial tonight where that Dana's probably waiting to use it and maybe he's getting a lot of they're getting a lot of money by waiting. I don't know. I do know it costs $7 million to run an ad on the Super Bowl. Pretty crazy, right? So sometimes when you see some in the business, you're like, dang, you emptied the bank yeah. for 15, 15 seconds, whatever. But see, I think if I was paying, I just don't think, the, like, I think we're almost giving the UFC too much credit there mm-hmm. because I just think if you were going to spend $7 million to announce this big pay-per-view, you would tell everybody and their brother, watch the Super Bowl tonight, special announcement, mm-hmm. might want to watch, you know, you would, even if you were going to tease it, 
I genuinely just think they have, as we sit here today, have no idea what to do. Yeah. And I think maybe they were told something by somebody. That person's maybe getting cold feet. Something. Yeah. Uh, we we don't know. But, like, to, I think even even that, we're probably giving them too much credit. <laughs> like, Well, and what's crazy is to say that they have no idea, but for us to have all these people who've kind of stepped out and said, you know, Tom Aspinall, like, I'll fight, you know, somebody who's lined up or – um, even having a title fight with Bilal and Leon right there that you kind of teased and put out there already. Like for us, we would love to see that fight, but you've kind of built this to the thing where you kind of can't even do that at this point. I just don't, again, like getting back to the Alex Pedeta Aspinall, other than just loving to see that matchup, I just makes no, like why would you waste your undisputed light heavyweight champion getting his, what could potentially be, I mean, at least his first shot going up for, like, I don't even know if you call it double champ for an interim belt. Uh, like, that's just, to me, that's not a super fight. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a great fight, great matchup, but, like, wait till we know who the champion is or, like, how that all, like, let that all shake out, then let him go up. Because if he goes out and gets starched, you know, and then say, like, Aspinall and Jones does happen and Aspinall wins and then he's already starched or light heavyweight champ, I mean, nobody's going to want to see that again, really. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, or, or Pereira would have to go on a crazy run and we'd see it again in like two years. Like yeah. my thing is like, just let, let it settle and then try to do that. But I don't know. So, so we'll see what comes from that. Um, uh, next, we're going to talk about the week that Sean Strickland had himself um, from meeting Donald Trump and doing this long, like, I wish America would go back to America post uh, to sparring with a streamer to getting offered a million dollars to come spar Jake Paul. Uh, but counter offering saying I'd rather just fight you in a desert with no uh, no cameras um, to seeing Machine Gun Kelly in person and them kind of threatening each other there. So I don't think that Sean Strickland can ask for a better week for himself. Told, mm. told Machine Gun Kelly to dress like a man. <laughs> Said he looked like a vampire. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I don't know if you guys saw the post fight because that happened at the slap. All that stuff had happened. Um, prior to the slap event, the mm. Machine Gun Kelly thing happened as they were leaving the slap event. Um, and then Dana White did a press conference after the event. And if you go watch it, uh, I think you're seeing a Dana White that's getting very sick of Sean Strickland. <laughs> they asked him about it. Uh, he got quiet for about three seconds and he was just like, you just can't bring this guy around human beings. Like it's not he said it himself. That's a certain thing. people. Like you just can't bring him around anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know. It's interesting. You know, Dana's very like, we're not going to silence anybody here. That's not what we do, but you can kind of see his patience maybe getting a little tested here. I think with Sean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're messing with sponsorships and then even being connected to a company like Disney like that, you could say what you want, but eventually you're going to, you might run into some walls, but yeah, I imagine Sean Strickland couldn't have been happier to have a week like that though. Which uh, one thing about, like, I do want to kind of touch on something with that slap event. Um, this episode's getting a little long, but, uh, I, thought it was very like interesting that on Super Bowl week where the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas um that the UFC didn't put on a little bit of a stronger showing or stronger fight night and I don't remember who it was brought attention to the fact of I think it was Luke Thomas brought attention to the fact of like it's pretty telling to see um at that slap event, they had streamers, Tom Brady, musician, like mm -hmm. tons of celebrities filling the room. And we watched, you know, that Apex fight last night, a UFC card in the Apex again. And like, I didn't see Jelly Roll was there, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's like, man, 
I don't know. I can't. I guess I don't really know where to go with that other than like you have the biggest sporting event in North America of the year in your city, um, and you roll out you know an unranked guy versus the number eleven guy. Like I just I don't mm-hmm. understand again. Like how do you miss that man? Like how do you not put on you're busy scrambling for three hundred? Well, I think it's they. It was this weekend for Dana White was about showcasing slap i think yeah because he he even announced like next year them going to other countries so russian guys who can't travel can do it guys in asia i think it was all that he have you guys watched have you did you watch the event no Uh but i think if you if you're gonna if you have the spotlight so to speak um where again you know there's tons of celebrities um the night before the game like man, if you put on a strong event, I mean, dude, you could even have done it at the T-Mobile. Which you know, I maybe understand. Like most people, if you're there for the Super Bowl, don't want to also pay tickets for a UFC. Um, but even but if you, even your like celebrities and stuff that are there, yeah, like, just a stronger. I don't know. I was really just kind of like, how do you not capitalize on that? But it's like, well, no, because it was it was all about slap this weekend. Yeah. It's like, all right, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Colby Covington has came out with a posted an what looks to be an X-ray of his broken foot, saying that he kicked Leon's elbow in the first, saying that some haters will still find a way to hate on him for fighting 25 minutes on one leg and landing 100 more strikes than Leon. But afterwards, Gilbert Burns called a little bit of a cap on that, claiming that he'd seen him after the fights at casinos and other events around the city, and he looked just fine. I just thought it was interesting that it's he's taken this long to kind of do that, um, kind of saving some face there. But then for Gilbert to be the one to kind of dude, I seen him at the casino. He was going around doing this. Um, we do have some fight announcements, not as big as you know three hundred, but uh, Nate has mentioned earlier, Zarginio Rosenstrike will be facing Shamil Geziev. Uh, the headline of Fight Night card March second. That's the headline. Yeah, that's that is the main event. Uh, also added on that card will be Matt Schnell and Steve Ursek, I believe is how it says his name. Uh, you know, both of them are people who are fun to watch, but they're not needle movers. Um, and the one that's the most interesting on that March 2nd card will be the UFC seemingly having to go outside of the promotion to find somebody willing to fight Umar Nurmagomedov as they will bring in 17-1 and Metzat or Mechzat Alhan. So we'll see how he is. Crazy, man. I mean, I, you know, we, it's funny because we were just, I said, we had just talked about this last week about the UFC making guys fight people. And here's clearly a great example of them not. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they said two fighters in the top 10 turned him down. That's what Ali said. I mean, here you go. I mean, and I believe it. I mean, if they're bringing in a guy to fit, but, but like, I, I feel like this, this is where you get into that poor part where it's like, okay, but at some point you have to fight him. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I mean, we can't let him or or better yet, what actually what I would probably rather see. I'd love to see him beat this guy. And, and I'm going to say this and this is hot take alert. Get a title <laughs> shot off of it. Yeah. And everybody can sit and complain about it. But none of you guys raise your hand to fight him. Mm-hmm. So if he gets a title shot and or just a massive fight after this, like because eventually somebody's going to probably have to fight him. I would love to see everybody cry about him getting an opportunity because it's like, hey, 
if you wanted it, it was there for you. Well, he was offered Corey Sanhagen. That was what they were trying to set up yeah. originally. So to go from and Sanhagen Corey was about it, right? Like, yeah, let's, let's, like let's put some respect. Which might on be San the Hagen move because there. the way that that title could look with Marab yeah. and stuff like that. Maybe you do still see that fight happen. Once Sanhagen's healthy, he beats this. If he beats this guy, yeah. I mean, what an opportunity for this guy coming in. I mean, he can find a way to upset. Looked at some of his highlights. He's got hands, but yeah. we'll just have to see how that looks. Obviously, uh, at this level. And then the last um, one is just somebody who. Um, I'm looking forward to get back into it. Jack Shore will be making his return at 301 to face Joe Anderson Brito. Nothing crazy there. Uh, in some jujitsu news, Nikki Rod was defeated by Victor Hugo by referee decision on Friday. Uh, Mika Galvao defeated uh, Kenta Iwamato by rear naked choke. Diego Oliveira defeated Dante Leon by heel hook. And Jacob Couch won by heel hook over Sebastian Rodriguez. What was that in? Um, I don't remember the what the event was i just remember seeing it on friday and i went to look at the results yeah i um, saw there got another fight pass invitational coming up mm-hmm. um and then in some boxing news tfema lopez defeated jermaine Ortiz by decision and devin haney and ryan garcia have verbally agreed to fight each other in april that fight was on like a thursday night mm-hmm. <laughs> like <laughs> what a what a big sport that is uh there it is boys brandon Song of the week, what do you got? We're going to go with Tears Don't Fall by Bullet for My Valentine. Is that how you feel? I feel like it's a, it I'm should back be a decent in my recovery email from, mode. from my last one. What so. about like Cher? If if I could turn back time. I would not walk out to that song. <laughs> All Never. right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, what is your one for the people? Uh, I heard you took a nap on Thursday at Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, so we just exposed training room stuff in here? Yeah, sometimes. So you want me to just start telling every story that when I tap you and everybody else out? Sure. Is that what we're going to do? I'm okay with that. You're okay with that? Yeah. You think that's appropriate? I think it can be. Hmm. Next, John, what's your one for the people? <laughs> He's in the trenches now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Chase, uh, our very own Chase the Asian. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, good good on him. I roll with Chase about like I roll with a child. Um <laughs> I had no, don't even, didn't even know I was in it. I think it was, he said it was like a clock choke or a loop <laughs> mm-hmm. choke or something. Had no idea. Don't really know anything about it. Yeah. Um, he, the only thing I could uh, suspect is he must have like just went like 110% on it. Uh, but uh, bad thing for him is, like I said, I roll with him about as like a minim, minimal, like child, like what I would probably do with a child. He's not getting that luxury anymore. <laughs> um, Competition rolls from here. So, on yeah. No, no, I wouldn't do that, but it's just not going to be very fun for him. I just thought it was just really interesting just because I never would have expected that. And he called me that day and was like, you'll never guess what happened. And he told me, and I didn't believe him for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, no way. Yeah, I don't. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't know, because didn't you go to sleep one other time? Yeah, Sam. Same thing, though. Yeah, it was a... uh, Samaconda, dude. That was a... Yeah, uh, and I had... It was a Dars, and same thing. I was like, all right, you know, I know I felt it, but it was just... I mean, blood choke, baby. when it's a blood choke, yeah, you just, cause you're like, you don't feel like you're getting choked and then you just go out. I mean, it just, there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. I don't even, like I said, I never felt, um, I never felt like my neck strength, like I never felt anything. Mm. So he must've just had it like perfectly, uh, cinched in, I guess. Well, I told him I was on the other edge of the mat and I look over and I see Chase like holding his legs up and I was like, oh dude, this dude's making Chase like carry him on the mat or something. <laughs> And then come to find out it's because he woke up and you know had that moment. But oh, man. That's so funny. That's crazy. Oh, so for my one for the people, I have a, a life hack and a, a fact that you're just going to have to live with hearing outside your or in your ears because I did. The life hack is if you find yourself in a fist fight, 
Think of all the things that are illegal in the UFC because they're only illegal because they're the most dangerous and most effective. Mm. Seen that on a video, and I was like, you know what? That means you need to do knees to downed opponents. You need to rake the eyes, stuff <laughs> like that. And the fact that you're just going to have to hear, and it's, it's one of those things you never think of, your nipples are older than your teeth. So take that with you. Well, what's the point of that? Just to take it with you. Live what with do you mean it. older? You've had your nipples longer than you've had teeth. Well, your teeth are in there. I mean, they're out. There's not exposed. Yeah, but they're yeah. still there. They're still you. Still come out with them. Your nipples develop first. No, your teeth are in there. But your, your nipples. Your teeth don't first. grow in your gums. Right, and I'm saying, as you're developing, your nipples develop first. No, your nipples get bigger, like your teeth get bigger, but they they still, come out first. Though. They're older a, than your that, teeth. That's a horrible. That's not even true. Where did it you is see that true. Out? No, it's not. Dude, if it's on the internet, it's true. Yeah, that is that is your motto, John. If John sees it on TikTok, <laughs> it definitely happened. <laughs> Come back next week. Uh, we will recap UFC 298 and get you set up with our picks and predictions for a big, big fight night. Two big back-to-back weeks here at the UFC Mexico City card. Can't wait. Stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace.